Happy Friday, Story Fam. As we slowly return to normal, I feel like I have some exciting new announcement to share with you every week that goes by, and that's awesome. Last week I announced the grand reopening of all of our Story Kids ministries on Sunday mornings, and now I'm happy to share that because COVID-19 cases continue to plummet as more and more Houstonians get vaccinated, the 1105 service at our River Oaks campus will be mask optional starting Sunday, May 30th. Mask optional starting Sunday, May 30th. I understand that some folks aren't yet comfortable uh, attending mask optional events in person, and that's why we'll continue to require masks at our 830 and 945 services for now. Uh, But for some in our community, I think offering a mask optional, socially distanced service like our 1105 will be uh, is going to make in-person worship a more welcoming and more enjoyable experience. So I am excited about this next tiny step along our journey, and uh, hopefully we'll have more and more great announcements, uh, exciting developments to to bring y'all in future Friday Grace and Truth podcasts. So thank you all for your patience and support of the story as we continue to, to navigate these uncharted waters. And without any further ado, Let's get to this week's reflection. It's called, Why Do We Have Female Pastors? Why Do We Have Female Pastors? 65 years ago, on May the 4th, 1965, or 66, um, the Methodist Church voted to allow, for the first time, voted to allow ordination of female clergy. Now, women had always played a key role role in terms of leadership as the Methodist movement spread, especially as as it spread across America. But women were never considered candidates for ordained ministry in the Methodist church until this event uh, took place in Minneapolis, I believe. And that decision opened up the door for thousands of women to answer their call to lead the church, including our own pastor, Pastor Giovanna, who has been a Methodist pastor for 20 years now. Ten of those ordained. Um, Last Sunday, she delivered a beautiful Mother's Day message uh, called A Cross-Shaped Legacy. And if you missed it, you can still check it out on YouTube or on the story's website, thestory.church slash watch. Now, not everybody in the church is in agreement about the legitimacy of women pastors. Many denominations have chosen only to ordain men. And there have been some prominent pastors on Twitter who have gone very public and to great lengths to disparage churches where women are allowed to preach. Despite the occasional hyperbolic statement on Twitter or elsewhere, I believe that Christians who oppose the ordination of women are usually doing their best, the best they know how, right, to be obedient to Scripture. And even though I disagree with them on some issues, I can at least see where they're coming from and I can respect them for it. After all, the Apostle Paul did instruct his understudy Timothy to not permit women to teach or exercise authority over men. That's in 1 Timothy 2, verse 12. So the question remains, what right do we have to break ranks with scriptural authority today? You may recall a recent message that I preached two Sundays ago in which I insisted that all of our theological conflicts be guided by the Bible and nothing less than the Bible. Even if we feel differently or we think we know better than what the Bible says, we must live in surrender to Scripture and its teachings. 
Now, if scripture is our guide on controversial issues like human sexuality and abortion, then where do we get off abandoning Paul's restrictions on female leadership? Or as one person uh, wrote to me this week in a letter, uh, he, he, he wrote, we read the same scriptures you do, and we come to a different conclusion regarding LGBTQ persons, much as you have apparently come to the conclusion that Paul's admonition that women should not speak in church no longer applies, to name an obvious example. End quote. But is this really such an obvious example of sidestepping scripture? Or is there more to the story here? Certainly, there can be no denying that, in a few instances, Paul openly restricts female authority in at least two of the churches that he planted. But what about all the other biblical references to God-ordained female leadership in Scripture, including, but not limited to, Deborah in Judges chapter 4, who, with God's blessing, led all of Israel, both the men and the women, or Huldah from Second Chronicles chapter 34, who was a God-ordained prophetess, who spoke with authority over the people of God, or Mary of Nazareth, the woman hand-selected by God to bear the light of the world and to testify on his behalf, Mary Magdalene, who, along with the other women at the tomb on Easter morning, delivered the most important sermon ever preached. In Mary Magdalene's case, she preached, I have seen the Lord, proclaiming his resurrection for the first time in John chapter 20, verse 18, or Mary and Martha of Bethany, with whom Jesus interacted, um, these two sisters, right? And, and he, he interacted with them in, in ways that were reminiscent of his interactions with male disciples, including the time that he allowed Mary to sit and listen to him teach instead of getting up and doing the woman's work, quote-unquote, of rushing around and preparing the meal, preparing the home for their guests who were on the way. That's in Luke chapter 10, verses 39 to 42. The women who preached in Paul's churches are another example. Yes, the same Paul who prohibited female leadership in some settings, apparently allowed some women to preach and lead in other settings. Check out 1 Corinthians 11, verses 2 through 5. It's a little bit of a confusing passage about women who should prophesy with their heads covered, but it's clear that for Paul, women should prophesy in that church, and that for Paul, prophesying equaled preaching. You can see Paul's definition of prophesying in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 3 to 4. It's just like preaching. So as I wrote in my book, Scripture and the Skeptic, the question is, so which is it? Are women supposed to keep silent in church, like Paul said to Timothy? Or are they supposed to preach with their heads covered, like Paul said to the Corinthians? And when the rules just aren't clear on an issue like this, we have to do another level of work. We, we have to take the issue to Jesus. That's generally the best thing to do when, throughout the rest of Scripture, it's not crystal clear what the Bible would have us do on an issue like this. And so we take it to Jesus. And in Jesus, we find a man who valued gender differences without valuing the genders differently. Again, he valued gender differences without valuing the genders differently. From his interactions with the women in his life, we see a man who was willing to trust female leaders with the most important work on earth, telling the good news of God's saving grace, made available to the whole world through Christ Jesus who rose from the tomb. And if that approach was good enough for Jesus, it's probably good enough for us. And one more thing. If the same biblical evidence existed to support other points of view on other 
hot button issues like human sexuality or same sex marriage or gender identity or divorce and remarriage, I would be first in line to rethink my stance. If the Bible gave as many kinds of loopholes or, or alternative teachings on these different subjects, I would be the first to go back and rethink my stance because it's incredibly difficult to go against the grain these days. There's always a price to pay. Life would be so much easier if we all just went with the flow. But living in full submission to Christ means trusting Christ enough to surrender to his word. As difficult as that might seem, and as high a price as there might be to pay, I'm persuaded to choose fidelity to Christ over capitulation to culture. And I hope that you are as well. So preach on, Pastor Gio, and all my sisters in Christ who are called by God to share the gospel with this broken world. We've got your backs. But more importantly, God's word has your backs. And that's really all the support you need. That's all for this week, everybody. I hope to see you all Sunday in person or online for worship. I'll be sharing a message, pretty important message, about a cross-shaped vision for your future. So what is your vision? Where are we headed and why? Um, I think we ought to be building our lives around the cross. So we'll talk about that this Sunday. Hope to see you all soon. Bye, everybody.